1: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Ozzaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10:10. 10, 10. And today we continue in a timely series called Peace in an Anxious World. This might be a message you think was just for you. Well, Pastor Sean is going to share some ideas on developing new habits centered around finding peace. of those leading to more anxiety a simple life adjustment could improve your heart mind and soul reallife.org has this full message sermon notes and series available for free but if you feel led to bless this listener supported radio ministry then please do there's a place to give at reallife.org today's part two of the message called the power of habits pastor sean is teaching from mark chapter six plus some wisdom from proverbs it's time for reaching for real life
2: he talks about he does a great illustration Using the idea of golf, and he talks about anxiety-inducing habits, and that's really what I want us to focus in on. The title of the message this morning is the power of habits and anxiety-inducing habits. It's like bad golf habits. And he says you can't if you have bad golf habits. Anybody here have bad golf habits? I proudly raise my hand. Because of my background as a polo player, I literally can hit a golf ball better with one hand than two. That is true. If you've ever seen me play golf, like no, no, that's. (laughs) But bad golf habits. Like if you have bad golf habits, you know that you can't just go read golf books. Uh, I'm just going to go to a a golf seminar. Man, when I listen to golf speakers, I just think I'm getting better. I'm going to sing golf songs. You can't just sing golf songs, as beautiful as they are, mind you. Swing low. (laughs) You can't just read golf books, listen to golf speakers, or sing golf songs and hope to get better. At the end of the day, you are going to have to get with a professional or a coach, and you are going to have to learn new habits. Because the only way to get better at golf is to train yourself in new habits. That's when we start talking about counseling. We start talking about even relational ministry. We start talking about therapy. The whole focus is typically about identifying bad habits because there are anxiety-inducing habits, things that can make you more anxious, things that will either, habits, there are habits that will help or there are habits that will hinder and make worse and pour gas on an already out-of-control fire. Relearning habits and getting rid of and and developing habits that reduce anxiety rather than cause them. Think about some habits. Like if you're constantly prone to negative self-talk, you start, anytime something goes wrong, you start talking about it and focusing on it and and talking, oh, it's going to be this, it's going to be this, it's going to be this. That is an anxiety-inducing habit. The constant what ifs, well, what if this, what if this? That is an anxiety-inducing habit. Overfilling your schedule. That's an anxiety-inducing habit. And see, folks, habits are powerful. He gives a great definition of a habit. The book says, a habit is an ingrained tendency to act, think, or feel a certain way without needing to choose to do so. Do you hear that? Without needing to choose to do so. So habits are those things that once we develop them, we don't have to sit and think about it to do them. They, we just do it because, well, it's a habit. That's what we do. I've gotten into habit, and I just do it. The fact is, sometimes when it comes to anxiety, we're going to have to unlearn some bad habits that fuel the anxiety and relearn some new habits that help combat or resist anxiety. Bottom line, habits are powerful, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God created us body, soul, and spirit. Freedom from anxiety will involve new habits in all three. It'll involve new habits in all three. Let me talk about those for just a few moments. God created us body, soul, and spirit. Freedom from anxiety will involve new habits in all three. In fact, before I get to that, let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that, Lord, your word talks about anxiety. And we know it is not your desire for us to be overcome and overwhelmed by anxiety. I pray for anyone here who struggles. I mean, Lord, I think we all probably struggle to some degree. But I pray for those who know they have a struggle and an issue. And I just pray that in, in these few points and in the scriptures that we read and the ideas that we share, they'll find hope, they'll hear your voice, and maybe get the courage to talk to somebody else, bring someone else into this struggle, and to pursue the path of freedom by following you. That's our prayer we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, God created us body, soul, and spirit. Freedom from anxiety will involve new habits in all three. First, many of us need to train our body in new habits, many of us need to train our bodies in new habits. I want to suggest our physiology, how we take care of ourselves, how our bodies operate, can either help and help us deal with stress and anxiety, or it can hinder. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says this, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. I think sometimes we think, well, what we do physically, that doesn't matter. It, we're, it's all about spirit that's some sort of new age gnosticism no the fact is our bodies are the temple of the holy spirit god's spirit dwells in us it is how he carries out his intention his plan his will for us as we live each day in this body that's why the scripture says glorify god in your body mark Six thirty-one says and he said to them this is jesus talking to his disciples it was a really busy time come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while for many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat so he's encouraging them he's saying rest and eat it reminds me of psalm 23 you know what psalm 23 says it says he makes me lie down in green pastures Leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That phrase makes me lie down. I think the idea is he invites me to lay down. I'm not so sure because sometimes it feels like he has to make me lie down. You know, I had a friend who was a president of a college and he had a pretty severe heart attack because he was just going pretty hard. And he, he said he felt like God made him lie down because the heart attack was just a symptom. And this is a great guy, godly guy, but we can get so busy even doing good things for the Lord. We can start thinking it's all about what I do, and if I don't do it, the whole world's going to hell, and it's all about me, and we can start thinking we're God and start pushing. And he says he felt like God made him lie down in green pastures and rest, and it changed his life in a good way. Thankfully, he survived, so he had that opportunity to rethink and relearn some things. But one of the things he had to do was understand the body, the habits of his body. Proverbs three twenty four. If you lie down, you'll not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. It's a very powerful and simple passage just describing the gift of a good night's sleep. I want to suggest rest is one of those body habits that we need to get into because we burn the candle on both ends. You know, we, we work all day, we then do activities with the kids in the afternoon, evening, when we get home. And then we got to catch up on our favorite series that we're watching. And, you know, we're going to bed way too late, getting up way too early, and we're not getting rest. I want to challenge you. The Bible talks about the sweetness of sleep. Jesus had to kind of say to his disciples, hey, come come away. Wait a minute, but weren't there needs? Weren't there people? Yeah, God's God. Put that in his hands. You have to take some... Time to just rest in fact one of the most beautiful principles of the scripture is the principle of sabbath rest you realize this is one of the ten commandments i mean it really when you stop and think about how we treat talk, think about sabbath like why in the world is that one of the ten commandments i mean there's the worship ones there's the have no idols worship god first there's there's the ones about how we treat people don't kill people don't commit adultery don't lie those are all those are the biggies why why is the sabbath in there i want to suggest you because it's one of the biggies Sabbath is that weekly point where the scripture just says we are to stop. And you know what happens in the stopping? In the stopping, I acknowledge I'm not God. I'm not God. I put down my work tools. I go home, and I realize, you know what? I wasn't the one keeping the world running. I think sometimes we think if I stop working, oh, my gosh, the whole thing will fall apart. I have, a, I have to wake you up to something. One day, you and I are going to leave this earth. And our company might have a little kind of thing at the funeral and a little buffet for us, and then the next day they're going to get back to work. And they're going to be fine. I mean, that's hard for us because we love to think of us as indispensable. That's the problem. When I think I'm just indispensable, I'm going to kill myself being indispensable. When the fact is, no, 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 it's not me who keeps the world going around. Sabbath is that weekly reminder. It's God. He's my provider. But, Sean, your job is to help people find Jesus, and if they don't, they're going to go to hell and it's just eternal. I know but I just need to remember, I'm not God. I'm just one of his servants. That's all. And you know what? You're not God. You're just one of his servants. You get up, you work hard, you do what he's given you to do with your work, your career, your profession, and then you, one day a week, it's, it's worked into the rhythm of our lives, you step back and rest, just like God did. At creation, God rested on the seventh day. It's in the scripture. It's not because God was tired like, whoo! I'm telling you, one more species and I would have been done. God wasn't wiped out and just like, I got to go to Florida. No, no. God was modeling a rhythm for us. He was showing us a pattern. Our life is to be divided up into these stretches that we call weeks. Work, activity, rest. Work, activity, rest. We got to take care of ourselves because it's what God told us to do. And so many times I think when we do have stress or when th- th- things come that want to cause anxiety, our body, our, even our immune system is so depleted that we don't have the resources to physically stand up to that. I think nutrition matters. What you eat, what you ingest. Look at what Proverbs 23, 20, and 21 says, Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. All we're talking about is abusing our body. Nutrition, exercise, things like that matter because they empower us. They, they help keep us healthy. And we know that, that just simple get rest, eat well, and reasonable exercise, and we know that that is a huge contributor to better health. And I think that even includes having the resources to deal with anxiety.
1: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Power of Habits. In this series, Peace in an Anxious World, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. This is reaching for real life.
2: Now, I think we, if we're going to talk about the body, we've got to talk about medication. We've got to talk about medication because this is one of those ones where I think we get all worked up and we're not sure how to respond to this. And, and let me tell you why. I do believe, okay, and I'll go on record saying this, and this is my opinion, okay, which with a couple bucks will get you a cup of coffee most places, all right? My opinion is we way over-medicate, okay, I, because here's why. Change is hard. (laughs) Behavioral change, learning new habits, things like that, that's hard. Sometimes medicating and just kind of dulling the symptoms is easier. Okay, But with that caveat, that thing being said, I want to suggest that there are just times and and there are, are things in our chemistry and our body that can make anxiety far more damaging or that can cause our response to anxiety to be far more over the top. And I do think there's a time when under the care of the right kind of physician, right kind of psychiatrist, where medication can be helpful. I think for some, that will be a temporary thing as habits and as things are, are changed. For some, that may be something that just is the, it's the way your life works because that's what your body needs because you have a physiological thing that needs to be balanced or addressed. I mean, we don't have any problem with the person who has high blood pressure taking medication if you had faith man you just you wouldn't even worry about that blood pressure no we go no. We 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 god gave us doctors he gave us a mind and it's it's okay to take blood pressure medicine you know it's a person who needs cholesterol meds man if you just had faith no we would say no it, it's okay but when it comes to this i think sometimes we get very judgmental i got an email from a lady this week who wanted to know if i was going to address this Because she's had some significant battles in her life and her family that have really created a struggle with anxiety. And she has been prescribed some meds. She says, what I thought about it. I said, I don't know enough detail really to to give some sort of firm opinion. I need to talk to to some experts about your case, which I, I don't intend to do, right? I said, but I think to across the board, if somebody's judged you, and this, that's what it was, some believers said, well, if you had faith, you wouldn't need that. If you had faith, God, God, you'd just talk to God, and he would deliver you from that. And, and I just want to say, if you're going to say that at least, then I better never catch you at a doctor's office. Because I, I just think that kind of judgment has hurt people. And what it does is it causes shame and causes us to go into isolation, which only makes the problem worse. And I just think I, I don't see anything in Scripture that supports that idea. All medicine is wrong. Paul told Timothy, who's having stomach thing, issues, he said, take some wine for your stomach. Literally, you've probably got a stomach bug. Take some wine to kill the bug. And so I just want to, I want to challenge us on that kind of judgment because it's actually far more common than you might think. See, Many of us need to train our body in new habits because dealing with anxiety will involve the body because God created us body, soul, and spirit. And it will evolve new habits in all three. Second thing, many of us need to relearn some habits of the soul. We need to relearn some habits of the soul. I love this passage of scripture, Jeremiah six sixteen. It says, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. And he's telling us to the people of God and then he says, he, he accounts, it's almost like he goes, third person says, but they said, we will not walk in it. We will not walk. Find rest for your souls. How? Stand by the roads, look and ask for the ancient paths, the paths that have been well-worn and understood to bring good fruit to bring life see the soul is that deep inner man where our thoughts hopes feelings intentions emotions reside and i think often we have habits of the soul of the mind that contribute to our anxiety few observations few suggestions i think sometimes we just need to learn new patterns of thoughts If you wrestle with anxiety, you may need some help just to learn some new patterns of thought. For many, our thoughts always take us to the place of fear and anxiety. Every time something happens, our first response is going to go to a place of fear and anxiety. You can learn to identify those points, those thoughts and habits, and you can retrain them. You can learn to identify. Every time this comes up, I go here. You can actually... And sometimes it can be with your community group, sometimes it can be with a a pastor, sometimes it needs to be with a therapist or a counselor who's trained in helping you spot these things, you can go and identify and retrain and begin to develop new habits, patterns of thought. I think we need to examine and monitor our emotional responses. One of the great keys will be emotional responses. You know, if you find yourself having over-the-top emotional responses to something, that's a clue. If you find yourself ever saying, I just blew up and went crazy over something, and there's like your inner dialogue starts happening and you're, you're kind of like another part of yourself is talking to you going, what was that about? That was, that's not that big a deal. Why are you so angry? Why does that stress you out so much? You can be, use those to begin to identify and you can learn new emotional responses or at least to push those in the right direction. You can learn new patterns of speech and that's a big one, how we speak about things. You can learn new patterns of speech. I want to suggest one of the ways that we relearn some of these habits of the soul is to seek wise, godly counsel. I think the gift of the right counselor, one of the things I think a counselor does is a counselor, I think, holds up a mirror, like a coach, and they can help you see things that you can't see, a trained, objective perspective. I remember when I was early training in Christian ministry, I went through some training with Youth for Christ, and one of the things you had to do was go, you watch this movie with the whole group, and then you had to go talk to a counselor. And I'm like, oh, God, like I need that. You know you know me, my attitude. I was very open and just embracing of all things like that. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> but I watched this movie, and this movie talked about different things and how one, one thing in one area of your life can be related to something totally over here that you don't see. And, and one of the things in, in watching that movie, I recognized I have a performance thing. I man I want to do things I want to do them well and I, want, and I can be obsessive about things like that and I recognize that in myself and how I can push 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 to to do things at a certain point and in talking with his counselor he I mean half hour he starts talking and he starts talking to me about some things and I, I started recognizing oh my gosh and and he connects the docs he said you know you, you keep bringing up your dad in this in this in this and I realized my dad wasn't even a believer wasn't interested in my ministry or anything like that, but I'm doing things over here in my church life, in my ministry, to please a dad who wasn't even involved in that. I'm still internal. And it's like, you'd be like, well, gosh, Sean, that's kind of easy. Well, let me tell you something. It sometimes is easy to see it in someone else. That's what objectivity will do for you. I could not be objective. In fact, by definition, I was subjective because I was the subject. Sometimes just having someone else hold up a mirror And I mean, that was a huge thing for me. It it allowed me to process that well between me and the Lord. It allowed me to understand that and quit kind of holding my dad hostage on some things that I wasn't knowingly doing, but were probably there. It really allowed me to to have some freedom. And so I want to suggest that's the gift of a a counselor. I, I strongly encourage a Christian counselor, and here's why. And I think secular counselors, there can be some great information, great knowledge, great education, and they can be very helpful. The problem is I believe all truth is God's truth. I believe there is so much to the word of God. There is so much to the spirit of God that can bring so much life and health that for someone who doesn't believe in God, it's almost like they're trying to fight a fight with one hand tied behind their back. If they're a counselor, I feel like there's, there's just, for, for me, I would want someone who I know understands the faith and can support and encourage me in the faith Aspect of this. But I want to say, if you're wrestling with this alone, don't do it alone. I think there's all kinds of ways that God made for us to get help. He created us body, soul, and spirit. Freedom from anxiety will involve new habits in all three. So, of course, last thing, many of us need to develop some habits of the spirit. Isaiah 26 3, I love this verse. Look what it says. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. There's this thing of keeping our mind on Christ. Hebrews 5.14, look at how it describes this person. But solid food is for the mature. How do we describe the mature? For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. There's this idea of training and practicing habits that lead to maturity. Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Note that phrase, the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, habits of the spirit, we talk about the disciplines. We talk about spiritual disciplines. And, you know, people get weird on disciplines. Oh, God, here, Sean's going to go old school again, you know. Can't I just have a little devotion box, read a scripture a day and be fine? Yeah, if you want to be shallow... And, and not have any depth of understanding, and if you want to be defenseless when it comes to spiritual struggles that we will inevitably have. See, I think the disciplines, understand, I, I shared you this when we talked about the spirit-filled life. The spirit of God is the ultimate counselor in our lives, isn't he? He is the counselor. And Jesus talks about the spirit's like the wind, the pneuma, the breath, the wind of God. In John chapter 3, he has that conversation. You see the wind, that's what the spirit is like. I talked about the old Viking ships, the longboats that had the sh- oar. you see the ships with the holes on the side and they had these oars, but yet they had sails. So why, take it, you know, pick one. Oars or sails, which one are you going with? The fact is, the sails is what they wanted to use. That's where the speed, that's what allowed them to move the way they did. But the oars were designed to get you to the wind. The oars were designed for them to be able to get to the place where they could get to the place where the wind could take them now, and they could really sail. That's a lot like the spiritual disciplines. The point is not the disciplines. The point is connecting us to the Spirit of God. And and I want to just say, as far as disciplines, the discipline of prayer. And by that, I mean a quiet time of communion with the Lord every day. If you struggle with anxiety, that quiet time of communion where all of a sudden you just force yourself to shut off the what ifs, the fear questions. Maybe you just dump them in the Lord's lap. Lord, you know what I'm wrestling with. What do you think? And you let him speak, quiet. You share your heart, but you rest and you listen and you breathe and let your spirit rest with him. The word of God. See, what the word of God is it trains your mind to think in alignment with the reality of God's creation. You know how many of us struggle with anxiety because of false beliefs? We believe things and we're afraid of things and worried about things that are never going to happen and that aren't true at all. Fear and the scripture is truth. One of the great anxieties for fear is to be to have it brought before the truth in God's presence and by his spirit.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, Peace in an Anxious World, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church